then you are no longer suffering or imprisoned by the confines of a, of a body. So, and the outer appearance is, is that someone starts to glow. It's like a star that starts to shine. And as this process of devotional service continues, that star keeps getting brighter. So, when the Guru sees the disciple shining and shining and shining brighter and brighter, it gives great delight. So, thank you so much. You continue to amaze me. That's okay, I know where I want to start. No, go ahead. Where, where did we live? Anybody remember? Doesn't matter, I'm just curious. So yes. Yeah. We left off talking about the verse about the whole month. Yeah. About what's uh, the family? Yep. Oh, which one was that? Does anybody remember? Can you just go eight to the and we've been to see it? No, like got, 13 and 14 were in verse 13 and 14. Oh, I thought we got further. We just got past 8 to 12. Yeah. Oh, we man. just got past 8 to 12. Okay. Oh, we, we did that 8 to 12. That was, yes, yeah, that, that was the yeah, 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 that took off. Yeah, okay. Alrighty. See, I was thinking we got further than that, but I was wrong. So, we're, we're, we're on verse 14. Oh, here we go. Sarvataha Pani Padam Tat Sarvato Shiro Mukam Sarvataha Sruti Maloke Sarvam Arujatishtati. Translation, everywhere are his hands and legs, his eyes, heads, and faces, and he has ears everywhere. In this way, the Supreme exists, uh, pervading everything. So, it's like the peacock when he spreads his tail, you see all these eyes. You know, they resemble eyes. So Krishna, as, uh, if nothing else, as super soul, he's everywhere. We see he's in you, he's in the birds, he's in the, all animals, you see, he's in every atom. So he has eyes and ears, he's everywhere. He's all omniscient, you see. Nothing gets past the man. <laughs> so, uh, so is that, unfortunately, some uh, people mistake that as like Big Brother is watching. You know, I've got my eye on you. Not like that. Why is Krishna always looking at us? Because he, he loves us. And he is incredibly enthralled with you. Even in our current condition, 
even when you're in a condition where you are denying him. What if you're atheistic and you try your best to live an atheistic life, you know, full of sin and misery? Eric Bird used to sing that. What is that from? House of the Rising Sun. Yeah. Live my life to sin and misery in the house of the rising sun. Well, that was... That's an old blues song, too. That was back in the 60s. I don't see some trash you can't get out of your head. That's you know? <laughs> true. It's Krishna's fault. He reminded me of it. Blame it on God, if nothing else. So, so yeah. Uh, even when we're in, entrapped in the, the material energy, even when we're offensive to Krishna, and even when we're offensive to everyone else, his love for us doesn't wane. It's not like Krishna's looking at you and he's like, oh, no, oh, I don't think I love you anymore. I don't want to watch you. Oh, hide thee from mine eyes. No, he's, Krishna doesn't do that. Um, why is that? Because he knows, and it's going to be covered later on in this chapter, uh, that you, regardless of your current condition, uh, are eligible for uh, liberation. Regardless. So that means we don't see anyone that we say, well, I want to, I don't think I want to preach to that person or give them this message because I think they're so low that they never. Well, Krishna doesn't think like that. You know, you may find someone whose consciousness is so destructive to the community of devotees that you can't bring them in. Like we were talking, I think, last week about a snake, a rattlesnake. You know, uh, gee whiz, we can't really bring him in and feed him and you know, we just can't do that. He's too dangerous. So, uh, so Krishna always sees his his dearly beloved, you, the living entity, and he knows how you are. You see, without the consciousness problem, you know, uh, without the behavioral health problem that you're having in your mind and your consciousness of thinking I'm a this or I'm a that. And Krishna, you know, it's just like if you have a child, Charlie probably from time to time, uh, he, he probably, has he ever played, you know, like, look, mommy, I'm a, I'm a soldier, <laughs> you know, so kids may play and they may pretend to be this or that, uh, and the parent may be even, even say, oh, yes, okay, you're, you're a, a soldier, I've, I surrender or whatever. You may play along with them. But you don't lose sight of, of who they really are, you see. So Krishna is like that. You're thinking, oh, you're, I'm a human being. I'm a rattlesnake. I'm this. I'm that. I'm a big politician. I'm a humble sage, whatever. So Krishna says, I know who you are. I know who you are better than you do right now. I know who you are better than anybody. You're my beloved. So for right now, uh, your consciousness is, is covered over, you see. So, but uh, why does Krishna not turn his back on us and say, well, look, I'm getting fed up with you. You know, I've had enough of you and your stuff. 
because he has this undying, unflinching, unconditional love for you. And he knows, give it a little time, and my devotee, my part and parcel will change. Because the, the part and parcel, the soul, cannot and does not become contaminated. Your consciousness becomes contaminated. When you come in contact with the material energy, you become contaminated. It's not me, is it? Oh, it was him. You see? But you don't become contaminated. You see? You're just a little off on a mission. You know, you're off doing your thing. So what we need to do is to learn. This is called self-realization. Who are you? And what is your transcendental nature? So that's a this this verse is or this chapter is about that. Find out who are you? Who is the body? And who is the super soul? You know, uh, chetra is the field of operation, the field of activity. That's the body. Chetra the one who knows the body, the knower of the body, you. And then the super soul, the one who knows all bodies. You see. It's like Prabhupada says, I may know my business, you may know your business. And Krishna knows everyone's business. Because he has eyes everywhere in the super soul. Plus, he's right there in your heart. You know, he's not, uh, he hasn't abandoned you. You know, Krishna, he can't pry himself away. He doesn't have to. So he's stuck on you. So, any questions? Comments? Okay. Verse 15. Did you have an question? Yeah, yeah. In the ninth chapter, there's one verse that Krishna says, by me and my unmanifested form, everything is pervading, but all beings are in me, but I am not in them. And Prabhupada is explaining how Krishna is kind of aloof to our kind of nonsensical activities. So what's the difference between him being fully there and aloof at the same time? Well, because he's he, he's Krishna, he can be both at the same time. Uh, he's here, but he it's just like um, the air is everywhere, and it's within everything, but yet it's not within everything. You see what I mean? A perfect example, if you take, um, if you ever look at a fish tank, you know, you see they, they bubble that air. So there's a little pump down in the bottom and it's bubbling air so that the water gets aerated. But what do the bubbles do? They just go to the top. Some of the air gets mixed into tinier bubbles and it stays within the water longer, but it's all heading towards the surface. And if you stop bubbling the air, all of the air will come out of the tank or enough of it, it you know, and, and ultimately all of it will. And then the fish will die because they don't get, you see. So Krishna is within, but yet he's not part of it. You see. He's within it. Does that, does that make any sense? Yeah. Krishna doesn't stuck it, get stuck in the muck. It's kind of like the bird in the tree analogy. 
Yeah. It's kind of like a... Uh, He's a not participating. Yeah. It's like, uh, I remember in 1976, I was in Mayapur, and uh, on a morning walk, I heard Prabhupada say something about, it's like, he was talking about um, something to do with the uh, impersonalists. You know, it's not like we don't merge with the Supreme. It's like when a green bird flies into a green tree, it's, it appears to disappear. It seems to merge. But that's not the case. And then later on that day, I was out walking and I saw this green parrot fly into a green tree. And I couldn't, it took me a while to make it out, you know. So. <laughs> okay, verse 15. Sarvendriya guna basam. Sarvendriya. Vira Jitam Ashtakam Sarva Brichaiva Nirgana Nirguna Jaiva Bokircha. Sometimes my vision's not so clear, so please forgive me. Translation The Super Soul is the original source of all senses, and yet he is without senses. He is unattached although he is the maintainer of all living entities, of all living beings. He transcends the modes of nature, and at the same time, he is the master of all the modes of material nature. So, the super-soul is the origin of all senses, yet he is without senses. Now, some people uh, can, if you have an impersonal, if you're leaning towards that impersonal, you can spin that to say, Aha! God has no senses. So therefore, he's unmanifest. And later on, it says that he is unmanifest. And we'll, we'll talk about that. So, Krishna has no senses. He has no material senses. He has transcendental senses. His senses aren't limited to the five that we have. Neither are we when we escape this body. You see, we're not limited to this. But we do have senses, transcendental senses. It, it, senses are methods or modes that we use to perceive, to perceive things. You see? Pleasure is received by, by us while we're in this body and, and conscious of the body through the five senses. When you're liberated, pleasure is not limited to those five gates. You see? Pleasure is unlimited. When, along with self-realization comes unlimited pleasure. Ananda. Sat-chit-ananda. Eternal, full of knowledge, and always blissful. You see? So, uh, and you don't have to wait until you die and leave this body to uh, get your sat, chit, and ananda features. They belong to you. You should, you should have them. To the, to the level that you become realized, you get these. You see? Yeah, did you have a question? Yeah, uh, my understanding is most of us can't become realized in this lifetime because we're contaminated or polluted by our past lives. Meat eating, illicit sex, drugs. What's the other one? Krishna never says that. Where does he say that? 
It may be banter around. Uh, sometimes people like to talk and, and gossip around the, the, the breakfast table, it seems like. So that sounds like something you'd hear in the persona. Well, I thought that was the reason some people go back at the end of their lifetime, in that they've improved the quality of their life, supposedly to the standard that would get you to the spiritual sky. But it happens then after death that we go because your behavior was better than, say, your imperfect body. Uh, no, you can be a, you can and should be a self-realized soul before you die. You don't have to wait till death. That's not our philosophy. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Upanishads. It doesn't say that anywhere in Bhagavad Gita. Krishna never says that. It's not like Krishna says, hey, trust me on this. And you'll get the proof when you die. Well, no, no, <laughs> this is your Krishna saying, here, take now, take it, take it. Uh, the object of the game is to become a pure devotee. Uh, we're told all of our lives that, well, nobody's perfect. You know, we're, we have, we, we've been fed that. But you, the soul, are perfect, and you cannot become contaminated. So if you can throw off this consciousness that I am the body, then you can become purified. It comes with self-realization. Now you may not get 100% of that in this lifetime, but it's there for you to get if you pursue it. You see? That's a fact. As a matter of fact, all through Chaitanya Charitamrita, there's many examples of, of people who achieve that. Say if you read Chaitanya Charitamrit, yeah. There's a verse in the Shisha Panishad that says a, a devotee shouldn't, pure devotee shouldn't be judged by their externals. And it's just like looking at the bubbles of the dirt in the Ganges. It's, yeah. it's not an offense to, to look at the externals and judge the quality of someone's yeah. heart for God. Yeah. I mean, we can tell by their behavior towards other people, but uh, they may have some externals that don't fit in with our material standards, you see. Like Bamsi Das Babaji. You know Bamsi Das Babaji? Lived in uh, the Mayapur area, Nabudwik Mayapur. And he was obviously a totally self-realized soul. So much so that Srila Bhakti Siddhanta uh, assigned some chelas, um, servants, to, he lived in the forest. He wouldn't accept a residence. He didn't bathe. He didn't behave like a sane person, but he was completely, totally realized. He was not of this world. And Bhaktisiddhanta could understand that. So he had two servants there to watch after him, and Mumsi would not uh, allow them to come and serve him. He didn't want anything, you see. So they kept their distance and just tried to help whenever they could, offering some service. But a lot of people would say that he was, uh, some people would say he's mad, but it was obvious that he wasn't. He was so wrapped, caught up in Krishna consciousness, that's all he could think of, is his loving uh, devotion to Krishna. 
and he worshipped Gornitai. He had Gornitai deities, and he talked to them constantly. And he would chastise them. <laughs> you know. So you know, we could go on and on about him, but no, Krishna doesn't say that. Uh, yeah, yet he's without senses, meaning he doesn't have material senses. Uh, he is unattached, although he is the maintainer of all living beings. What does he? What does that mean? He's unattached. He doesn't care. No, no he cares, but he's unattached to this the goings and comings of this material world. He's renounced. He's renounced. Yeah, fully renounced. It's one of his eight qualities. It's what makes him Bhagwan. But he is attached to you. He's attached. Bhaktavatsal is one of his names. One who is in love with his devotees. You know, all of his innumerable uh, living entities Krishna is in love with. See? So we're talking on the on the spiritual level. Krishna is not attached. He transcends the modes of nature, and at the same time, he is the master of all the modes of material nature. He's the, he's the controller of the modes. So he doesn't become affected by the modes. 16. Um, I'm just going to read the English because my vision's a little blurred today. Good chapter? 13. 13th verse, uh, excuse me, 13th chapter, 16th verse. The supreme truth exists outside and inside of all beings, of all living beings. The moving and, and the non-moving. Because he is subtle, he is beyond the power of the material senses to see or to know. Although far, far away, he is also near to all. So he is subtle. To the material senses. That doesn't mean if you go uh, back to Godhead and Krishna comes up and says, hi, how are you? You look and there's nothing there. You know, he's just like, like a ghost. You can put your hand through him or something. You know, doesn't mean that. Again, if you're, um, if you want to slant it towards the impersonal thing, you could put a spin on that and say, so let's see what it says. But no, Krishna's, he actually, uh, he is subtle, and then yet he is there. You see? So, although he's far, far away, he's near and dear to all. He's right next to you. What's he far? And then how's he far, far away? In your, in your current consciousness, you have no concept of God. We think we're so confused by the our current state of our material body, that we think we're in search of God. You know, no, he's right here. You know, he's like shoulder to shoulder with you. Where, wherever you are, the, uh, the jivatma, uh, there is the super soul, the paramatma, uh, the uh, supreme soul. He's right there with you, constantly. Constant companion, no separation. So we may think he's far, far away, but he's also very near. He's right here. So this is when we become Krishna conscious, we become conscious of his presence. So 
That means you found somebody that was there all the time. You see? Actually, you know, when you start to understand Krishna's nature, and we start thinking early on in our spiritual life that I'm starting to pursue God. I am the hunter. He is the hunted. I'm going to seek him out and find him. As you advance some, you come to this chilling realization that he has been stalking you. You know, you are and always have been the hunted. He's the hunter. He's pursuing you. He wants that relationship. He wants your consciousness back, your consciousness of him. Therefore, he wants you to be Krishna conscious. You see, he knows you're right next to him. That's not enough for him. He can reach out and touch you. He can hug you, you know, the, the, your soul. He can do that. That's not enough. I want you to, uh, I, want you, I want you back. I want you to see me. So it's, is it so difficult to find God? He's, he's wanting you. He's like, hey, oh, yay, hey, I'm here. Whatever it takes, I'll send you Bhagavad Gita. I'll send my devotees. I'll send Kirtan. I'm going to, I got a whole bunch to send. But, and then some of it starts to sink in. And then you start to become a little conscious, you see. So, uh, yeah. Isn't, isn't that kind of, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, but there's a story, I think, uh, I believe it's uh, either Gopal Kumara or, um, or Narda Muni, one of them, where Krishna says to him, uh, you will not see me again in this life. Dhruva. Is that Dhruva? You know what? Do you know Dhruva Maharaj. Yeah. yeah. So that... You will not see me again in this life. That points... Does that well? Let me ask you as a question. Doesn't that point to the fact that even though Krishna is seeking us, we have to be extremely purified to have the awareness of Him all the time, twenty-four-seven? That's true. That's true. But if we if we meditate on this extremely purified, that may be subtly and subconsciously an excuse on why I just can't do no, this. I, I agree with you there. You right see. Now. Yeah. Break that down. No, that's not. Yeah, you shouldn't psych yourself out. No, it's totally likely. And uh, one devotee asked Prabhupada, oh, Prabhupada, it's, it's a film. I had it on my Facebook page. It's a film. Prabhupada, this devotee says, oh, Prabhupada, how long does it take one to become totally self-realized? Oh, and Prabhupada said, and, and it wasn't, Prabhupada leaned forward and he said, one minute. He said it just like that. One minute. One minute. But you may take your time. You may, you know, drag your feet. Why? Because we, we start out, uh, we don't have any faith in God. And then we develop some faith in God. But we still have some faith in the material energy. So we go from the faithless stage into the stage of mixed faith. You know, mixed faith, you can fall either way. Then you keep moving, your faith grows and grows, and then you get to the point where you have full faith, you see. But that happens by you letting go of the material consciousness and sense gratification and all the, the muck and mire that go with that. 
bodily consciousness, you see. And then you start to see other living entities on that same platform. And that helps you. If you can't do that, you're stuck in the muck, you see. And you can read and do all kinds of things and you can get knowledge, you know, but you can't go any further because you don't know. It should, it should come out in you. It should manifest in the way you deal with the other living entities. You cannot have your Ananda feature, the feature of bliss, uh, if you can't have loving relationship with all other living entities. That's part of the bliss that Krishna is giving you. Love of God means also love of everyone. You can't say, well, you know, Krishna, I really love you, but oh. <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like that guy over there. And he voted for Hillary. I don't like him. And, you know, you can't, you can't do that. that. That means you went back to square one. You did not pass go. You haven't made any progress. You see? You may have. We're, we're going to slip back constantly. The, the Kanisha Adhikari, the uh, neophyte or the beginner, is the material devotee. Uh, he's still material, so sometimes he's being spiritual and sometimes he's being material. And we're all trapped in that. That's what Anartha Navriti and Namaparad means. As long as we're stuck in Namaparad or Anartha Navriti, uh, you see, what is it? You can tell the truth or you can distort the truth for your personal gain. All those kind of uh, uh, warnings are meant to show us that we're all still stuck in the false ego. We haven't broke. Who's not in the mode of ignorance some of the time? Who's not in the mode of passion? Who stopped? Tell me when you've stopped being in the mode of ignorance or the mode of passion. Has anybody really stopped? Then you're still in Maya if you're still in passion and ignorance from time to time. Well, but uh, can you perform devotional service in the mode of passion? I th think you can. Well, yeah. I mean, Krishna was telling Arjuna, go fight. But, but that's like, it's imperfect. And what about imperfect. devotional service in the mode of ignorance? Hmm. I, 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 that's a very... You got to sleep. I, that's the mode of ignorance. You got to okay. sleep to rest your body. You see? So... So that, that statement is only a partially true statement. Well, most of our statements are only partially true, not wholly true. Yeah. You know, well, if you, it's if just you, the nature of speech. If you quote from Bhagavad Gita, then you're wholly true. That's absolutely correct. But if a you, lot of times, if, you, if, you, if you misinterpret, if I have a point that I want to make, and I can find something in Bhagavad Gita that I can use to try to make my point, yes. then I am misusing the truth. Right. This, the Muslims have a word for it. It's like fuqua. It means they all believe that there's like a, a divine truth. But the problem is everybody's false material misinterpretation of that divine because truth. Because they're materially contaminated. They're, well, we're all materially contaminated. Well. We haven't gotten past the stage of anartha nivritti and nama well, then I'm, I'm confused between what? what you say and what Prabhupada says. I don't want to have to side with Prabhupada, but I was sitting about this far from Prabhupada in, in, in Mayapur when Prabhupada said, for one who's chanted Hare Krishna one time the sincerity, he's to be considered a liberated soul. I, I know that. But, but you know, so they then, all... you know, so then, so what happens, though? 
well, you chant Hare Krishna and you really feel it, you know, you're chanting and you, so then you're a, you're a liberated soul. What did Prabhupada mean by that? It means that you may not be able to stay on that level, you may fluctuate, but that's not gonna happen forever. Again, subtly, we can use these excuses, oh, nobody's perfect, I can't become perfect in this life. No, where does it say that? Show me anywhere in Upanishads or anywhere in Bhagavad Gita, Chaitanya Charitamrita, where, where that is said. Well, I, I have a couple of things that are close to it. Um, one is, there are two classes of beings, the fallible and the infallible. In the material world, every entity is fallible. And in the spiritual world, every entity is infallible. Now, okay, now, we just covered that, though. We just covered that, because the, you, the living entity, cannot become contaminated. It's not possible. Yes, the spark I mean, of life isn't Krishna's, contaminated, but your body's all contaminated. All right, but what if you know that you're not your body? Well, if I were if, to offer to cut your finger off, would you let me? I think you still think you're, you're the body. Well, that doesn't... And it that's also not the a good example. Body. We all think we're the mind and the false ego. We're supposed to use our intelligence to defeat wait, wait, the mind and the false ego. I, I can't let you speak for all those present. We don't all, we're not all that way. That's an emotional statement. That's like saying, well, you always do that, or you never do that. That's an emotional statement. Everybody's, a, no, because I, I just, as much as, I really, I really like you, Tarun, but I don't think you're a good mind reader. I don't think you know what's, I don't think you know the consciousness of the room of your fellow man or this or the room. I don't think you can speak for everyone else. I don't really try to speak for anyone else. Well, you did. You think, you, we all, you said we all Well, it says operate. everyone in the material world is fallible. Okay. And then it says down farther, those who are in oneness with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, however, are called infallible. Oneness okay. does not hold mean it, they are, it, have no it. individuality, it. Tap but the there brakes. is no disunity. Tap the brakes. Well, I just want to finish it. When you're in the consciousness, when you're in Krishna consciousness, you become infallible. When you're uh, operating not only, not, not on your own desires, but to please Guru and Krishna, then you are operating on a perfect. In other words, if Bhagavad Gita becomes your, your filter for everything, for every uh, decision you make, um, What's that, the nasty word? People like to make it a nasty word, although it's not. For every judgment that you make, if it's based on Gita wisdom, then your judgments are perfect. Because we do and have to make judgments. It's like, um, is it too hot in here? No. Okay, you just were judgmental on the climate. No, no, you no. see what I mean? No, ju so, judgmental is material. Uh, being no, non-judgmental is being spiritual because you don't have to judge anyone. Yes, you do. Judgment is God's, you not man's. You can't help it. Uh, what is it? Judgment is God's, not man. Judge ye not, and ye will not be judged. Judgment is for God, not but for you us. Just, you just made the judgment that everyone is in the mode of uh, ignorance. And what, I forget the exact statement. I well, I'm kind of following the, the idea here where it says, in the material world, every entity is fallible. Now I know that those in the material it. world that are in material consciousness, they're all fallible soldiers. So we, we all know that. 
But for those who take to Krishna consciousness, they, be, they start to become infallible as they regain their original consciousness. There, there aren't any dirty souls. There aren't any dirty. But there's, there's no, dirty, subtle bodies and dirty, gross bodies. There's dirty consciousness. Well, if your consciousness is false ego and mind, and you can't control it with your intelligence, yeah, you're in mind. All right. But let's, we need to, uh, let's, let's work on uh, Bhagavad Gita and not, we'll do Chaitanya Charitamrita classes later on. No, this you know? is... And, uh, Chaitanya, I mean, well, we can in Chaitanya Charitamrita these things are all cleared up what you're talking about. But I mean, no, it's not that everybody, uh, it's not that we're fallen and we're always going to be fallen until we die. It's not that 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 is not true. As a matter of fact, if you remain fallen until death, I don't think you were doing it right. <laughs> I've never witnessed that in almost five decades. I haven't seen that. I've seen many, many people. Uh, a couple of months ago, I was in a, in a room surrounded by people who had transcended these things. I don't see any. I don't see anything material about those guys at all. Well, doesn't aren't there a couple of stories that say? And I grew up with them. I've known them for almost fifty years. You know? Yeah. Well, doesn't it also says that? The body, someone who's engaged, the Papa would say you can spiritualize anything. The matter is the energy of God, it's daiva, it's, it's, it's divine energy. So this body, the body of a devotee, is completely sanctified. That's when you use say. it in devotional service, it becomes totally the sanctified. Body, right? So, that's so does the body. Completely, completely not sastric at all, or from the acharyas. This can be completely pure, the material energy can be yeah. engaged in service. I mean, there's volumes that say opposite. You know, and I, uh, this is just, this is not my opinion. I gave up my opinion long time ago. I don't have an opinion. I like Prabhupada's opinion. And a lot of times in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, that is my opinion when he makes a statement. So I feel very comfortable. Uh, some people might say, well, you're brainwashed. And Prabhupada would say, yes, we have to wash the brains. And the brains are dirty. We have to wash them. So I like the opinion of Shastra and my guru and the Shadus. I like that. It's, it's always given me truth, you see, and transcendental. Uh, material opinions, everybody's entitled to one. It's like this, uh, we used to go to, we used to have board meetings in, uh, in this corporation that I worked for. I was director of marketing. And the uh, chief executive officer would, officer would start off the board meetings, and he, he liked to almost always say, all right, I want everybody to speak up. Feel you can speak up because everyone has an opinion, and everybody's entitled to their opinion, regardless of how ridiculous it might be. <laughs> so, your opinion may be ridiculous, but you're entitled to it if you're in material consciousness. But then when you accept the opinion of Guru Sadhu Sastra, then you become purified. And after some time, that becomes your default, it, it, your default uh, decision-making process. And you find you can't, you, you feel uncomfortable even starting to make a decision outside of Guru Sadhu Sastra, you see? 
I mean, it's just, that's the way it is if you try to, if you live that way. But we can discuss that later on. Good, good conversation. Okie dokie, where was I? Uh, I think we're going into 17. Yes, yes. Although the supreme, although the super soul appears to be divided amongst all beings, he is never divided. He is situated as one. Although he is the maintainer of every living entity, it is to be understood that he devours and develops all. So, Krishna, the super soul, is everywhere. He's with every living entity and every atom. But that doesn't mean that he's all spread out, that he fragmented. You see, he is still one. There is that complete whole. In uh, Ishupanishad, it says that uh, God, the Supreme, is the complete whole, that from which everything emanates. And even though so much emanates from the complete whole, he still remains the complete whole. So, you know, it's just like if you take a teaspoon and you take a, 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 a teaspoon of water out of the ocean, eventually it is possible that you could empty the ocean. Even little bits, it's conceivable. However, Krishna doesn't diminish whatever comes from him. He still remains full, you see. He, it emanates, but it's, you see what I mean? So he doesn't. He doesn't diminish. Okay, number 18. He is the source of light in all luminous objects. He is beyond the darkness of matter and is unmanifested. Ooh, God's unmanifested. I told you. I told you. He is knowledge. He is the object of knowledge. And he is the goal of knowledge. He is situated in everyone's heart. Okay. So it says here, Krishna is unmanifested. And he is knowledge. That's like some people who say God is love. See, then they're pro you're proving that he's unmanifest. He's just love. Well, it says here he's knowledge. And he is the knower of knowledge. So how can you say that he's not unmanifest? Well, he's both. It's just like, uh, right now, it's daylight. And last night, we had that beautiful full moon for Nishinga Chaturdasi. You see, you're like a gorgeous moon. Mm -hmm. So the moon's out there, ah, smiling at you. <laughs> Hi. Uh, so where is the moon now? It's, it's unmanifest to me. And now the sun is manifest. That doesn't mean when the sun wasn't manifest that it was unmet, it turned into air. You see, it's unmanifest to me. I cannot perceive it because it's on the other side of this rock that I'm trapped on. You see, and so right now the moon's on the other side of this rock. So does the moon disappear? Well, there's some people right now, people in India right now, they're looking at the moon, aren't they? And they're thinking, oh, the sun is unmanifest. Sun is <laughs> right? <laughs> That's not right. You see, this is material 
reckoning. You know, it's, it's uh, spiritually kindergarten, juvenile. No, and so Krishna may be, uh, he is unmanifest. Uh, that's true because so many people are searching for God and they're, uh, they're not so sure there even is a God. You see what I mean? So to, to their perception, he is unmanifest. But yet, to his devotees, he's fully manifest. You see? Does that make any sense? Yeah. I hope you don't get offended when I do that Indian voice. I like that. <laughs> I even do it when I'm in India. Everyone likes it when I do it. I tease them with that. <laughs> Especially when I'm trying to buy something from Walla. You know. No, no, 400 rupees is too much. <laughs> but I love India. You, know. you taking off? Can get Charlie? Yeah, thank you. Tell Charlie I said hi, okay? Well, thank you. All right. <laughs> Moving right along. Verse 18. Oh no, 19. Yeah. Thus, the field of activities, the body, knowledge, and the knowable have been summarily, summarily, summarily. summarily. <laughs> I know, it's a tough one. See, I have to look away from the words because sometimes it all gets. Summarily described by me. Only my devotees can understand this thoroughly and thus attain to my nature. Yeah, you know, that sounds fair. You know, only if you are my devotee, only if you love me and you're serving me, am I going to reveal so much of, of myself to you? You know, because you're getting the eyes to see me through your love and devotion, so therefore I will accommodate. You, you're trying so hard to see me? Hey, here I am. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> it's me, Krishna. You know? So does that make any sense? Number 20. Material nature and the living entities should be understood to be beginningless. Their transformations and the modes of nature are products of material nature. So your transformations, meaning uh, body to body, you know, you go through this 8,400,000 species of life, which are only here uh, to fulfill your various desires. You see? The 8,400,000 species of life will cover all of the desires, the material desires that you can have. If Krishna needed more, he would have added some more. You see? So, so you know, it's not like it's a punishment to get the body of a dog. You wanted it. Now, you might not have thought, I want to be a dog. But you want things that a dog wants. See, if you want anything other than self-realization and God-realization, then you're in the wrong body. The human body is not a good body. And I've, I've used this one before. For instance, uh, it's crude, but so forgive me. Uh, sex life. If, if at the time of death, that's your motivating factor. 
then in your next birth, a human body is not good for those desires. The body of a dog is much better, or a pigeon, or a cat, because it, sex life is very complicated for human beings. You see? If, if a dog uh, impregnates uh, another dog, he doesn't have any responsibility. He can go off and look for the next one, you see. And then if he sees that one that he's, for instance, many, uh, a lot of people don't understand this, but dogs and cats. You ever, have you ever seen uh, a litter of dogs, a litter of pups, or a litter of cats, and they're different colors? Mm -hmm. How does that happen? They have different dads. They can they can get impregnated by five or six or seven or eight, you know, from different dads. So uh, if the dog has sex with uh, some other dog, and then he sees a little while later she's having sex with another dog, he doesn't get uh, jealous. He doesn't go up there and say, "What are you doing with my woman?" How <laughs> dare you! I challenge you to a to a duel. You know, you want to go outside? The dog would say, "We're already outside." <laughs> oh well, uh, all right, tooth and nail. Oh, no, it's like, hey, go for it, man. So the, the restrictions. That means dogs don't have to get a room. You know, they don't care if you watch. You know. Their consciousness is lower. You see. Uh, they're driven more by the by the senses, tongue, touch, feel. Their senses are even much more uh, heightened. Uh, heightened than us. They can smell better. They can so that means they can taste better. They they feel their sense of feel. And if you scratch a dog, what happens when you scratch a dog? You've got a friend for life. <gasps> 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 I mean, you might scratch a person, they say, oh, yeah, a little to the left, okay. All right, that's enough, yeah. you know. But a dog, you know, you stop, and he comes over like, oh, or, oh, or, you know. <laughs> so their sense of touch is, uh, or you pet a cat. I mean, you know, you can't pet a cat one time. <laughs> I know, right? You know, I used to... I'd get around cats and I would try to tease them. I I I pet them one time, and the cat's like, oh. <laughs> "Hey, what are you doing over here? You know, you can't get away with that. You're gonna have to give me a little bit more than that." You know, so uh, <laughs> these desires. If you have animal oh, desires, then there are eight million four hundred thousand. Oh, there are eight million non-human oh, births you can take. Four hundred thousand of the species are human. Four hundred thousand species of human. So Krishna says, at the time of death, your sum total of your desires, because of that, that's taken into consideration, and you're assigned a body with a particular type of nose particular type of tongue, particular type of eye, ear, and feel, you see? So instead of the pretty girl in the uh, bikini being appealing to you, it's, uh, it's the uh, she-dog. She's appealing to you. 
you have a things that smell, things that may stink to a human being, smell very good to a dog and cat and many animals, you see. So it's not a punishment. It depends on your consciousness and your desires at the time of death. You're assigned a body. So Krishna says, all right, you want this. Here you go. Let's see how this works for you. And he knows it's not going to work. You know, he knows it's so then, but I want to give you so many chances when you get this human body. I want to just bombard you with opportunities to take steps closer to me. You know, he wants you to come all the way. So, yeah. Um, in my experience with that, what I've noticed and I've heard this said quite a bit is that when we take one step towards Krishna, he's, he's, he's going to take about, you know, 10, 15 steps towards yeah. us. Yeah. And then there's a, there's a particular verse in the scriptures that talks about that, you know, whatever we lack, he provides, and whatever we have, he preserves. 922. And, it, and it, to, me, to me, it seems like, you know, we have this idea, especially if you grew up in a church or something, you grew up in, in, in a hardcore religious movement, you have this idea that your efforts, what you do, is what brings you to God. So yeah. it's like you're striving really hard to do all these things to get God. And what I keep seeing... Although they say it's not by works. Right, right. It's not works alone. But we have to do all these things to get God. Yeah. What I'm seeing is when God sees a little bit of sincerity, he's willing to go so far yeah. to get that person. He's willing to go, you know, beyond... Our, our idea, our, our conception of how, how far he's wanting to go. His hopes really get up when he sees some sincerity. Right. So, and, and then I recently heard also that what we make a big deal out of, and this, this is not to minimize our, our, our standards, our, you know, our, our principles, because these are the things that help us become Christian conscious, but we make a big deal out of these things. Krishna doesn't really make a big deal out of these things. Like, and from his perspective, you know, these things don't cloud his vision as much as they do us, our, our vision, what our consciousness. I'm sorry? I didn't get what you're referring to. Are you referring to the four regular principles? Well, just, just, just rascal them in general. Just things that we may do that... Mistakes. Anything, yeah, mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, it seems like there's a greater emphasis put on offenses. Offenses made to devotees. Yeah, I mean, offenses to devotees can really set you back. Right, right. But it, you know. I guess my only my point in saying all this, trying to connect it, is that Krishna is not looking at those things that we ourselves are making such a big deal out of, and and basically judging our advancement. Out of. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. He's, it's like in other words, he's not there with a scorecard. Right. That, mm -hmm. uh, I didn't like your attitude that you had towards the world today. Right. You know, you're showing hatred towards somebody. Yeah. And your excuse is, well, everybody else hates it. Or you're struggling you with know, some. It's like some when, I was, when I was, when I was, remember Nixon? Remember how much fun it was to hate Nixon? You know, it was fun to hate Nixon. I but I was young and dumb, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in those days, we didn't have. Uh, Cable news. You only had three channels on the television, you know, and so you. 
and, and the news was only on, only on a few times a day. Yeah. So I remember trying. I was so eager during the, the last days of the next. I was always wanting to see the news. I, there was no cell phone. You couldn't stream it. So I had to get someplace and catch what's the latest. I, was, I hate that guy. Oh, they're going to get him, you know. And so, uh, so you know, hate is never good. Although it's it's uh, it's fashionable today to hate the president. It's fashionable. I mean, if you if you spew hate, there's going to be a lot of people around you saying, "Yeah, right, you're one of us." You see, well, it was like that. You know, when we hated Nixon, you know, hasn't changed much. It's the same old soup warmed over. You know, uh, so as a matter of fact, people like to push that hate because if I, you know, anyway, that's a whole. Other thing. So, uh, so Krishna sees. Well, you're way hateful. You're full of hate. Well, I'm going to have to damn you a little bit. No, it's not. You know, you can come out of that. You you can clear that consciousness up. You can uh, you can come out of this. You, you can lose the ability to hate anybody or any, any living entity. You can live, lose the ability to hate. You see? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so unnatural to you, the soul. Right. And this isn't you. Krishna may think like, this is so not you to hate. Uh, so... But he doesn't hold it against you. It's not like when you start chanting Hare Krishna says, Krishna says, all right, you know, well, you know, you were hating Nixon or you were hating Trump or whatever. So you're going to have to chant maybe 50 rounds a day because I don't like your behavior. No, no. What if you're a devotee? Uh, What does it say in Bhagavad Gita? If you're a devotee and you uh, fall down, and, beca- and, and, and perform heinous, act- uh, heinous activities. What is it that you have to do to uh, atone? What does Krishna say? The word of God. Just get back, get back, on, the back on the path. Take up your service. Krishna doesn't say, well, it depends on how mad I am at. No, he doesn't say that. No. It also says it also says that even the assembled devotees shouldn't look at that particular right. person as fallen. Yeah, immediately. Hey, you're back on track. You take up exactly where you left off. You didn't lose one or two percent. You take up. Uh, so I'm not encouraging fall down. Right. So, but um, you know, sometimes, sometimes a bruise or two can help you in your for, for, forward progress. Yeah. Yesterday in the class, uh, Suresvar said. Um, when we think somebody else is the enemy, he says that's the mode of ignorance and mental speculation. The, the enemy isn't the other person. The enemy is us making the other person the enemy. Yeah, I agree. The enemy is your perception. If your perception is based on illusion, then you have an illusory perception. You see? Uh, who is my enemy? For most people, it's their own mind is their enemy. Yeah. 
my mind is, uh, if, it's un, if it's out of control, it's my worst enemy. If I, if I can control my mind, then even if someone's out to get me, you know, it's best that I may try to avoid their association, but I don't have to dwell on it and think, I've got to get that guy before he gets me. That's material consciousness. You know, Krishna's going to take care of me. Lord Nishingadev will always take care of the devotee. We don't even have to ask him. Yet we do. We ask Lord Nishingadev to pr protect us, don't we? But what is it that we want, what we're asking? Uh, the devotee, when he asks Lord Nishingadev for protection, what protection is he asking for? Don't let my body get harmed. Protect my devotional creeper. This, this uh, love of Godhead has sprouted and it's starting to grow. Please protect that. So that's the prayer. You know, we're, we're always begging Lord Nishimhadev, Krishna, please protect my, my sprout of devotion. So I'm doing it again, aren't I? <laughs> Falling behind. <laughs> yeah, boy, you can't do anything with this guy. Pretty soon I'm going to have to listen to Rada Sundaries, you know. <laughs> Isn't it fun to give her a hard time? I don't know why it's... It's so fun to be cruel sometimes. Take it, dish it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a dish it back. <laughs> All right, so... 21. Nature is said to be the cause of all material causes and effects, whereas the living entity is the cause of various sufferings uh, and enjoyments in this material world. So, nature is said to be the cause of all material causes and effects, but it's we who do the suffering. We bring the suffering uh, on ourselves, you know, the law of, law of karma. As you sow, so shall you reap. What goes around comes around, you know. So we bring this enjoyment. I do some pious, something pious, and I get something pious. I do good, and I get good. I do bad, and I get bad. Uh, it's my, starts with my desire. I desire something, I perform activities, I perform some action to satisfy my desire, then I get the reaction from my action. You see? Uh, 22. The living entity in material nature thus follows the way of life, enjoying the three modes of nature. This is due to his association with material nature. Thus he meets with good and evil amongst various species. You know, uh, because you're, uh, the living entity is in the material nature, when we come in contact with the material nature, we have a tendency to be influenced by the material nature. That's why once we start off on uh, this uh, devotional uh, service, once we start, once we get on track, we have to be very extremely careful not to be affected by the material energy. We have to be affected by the spiritual energy. Guru Sadhu Sastra. You see? So, uh, public opinion, 
Public opinion is different amongst cultures. You see? We can't be affected by cultural things or whatever's popular, wherever I am right now, my neighborhood, my town, my state, my country. You see, we can't be influenced by that. There is a higher intelligence. And we should be influenced by the spiritual energy, not the material energy. So we have to be very careful not to become uh, swayed by the material energy. You know? And that's difficult. Therefore, we need to associate with people who are also trying to avoid the material energy. You see? Doesn't mean that we go live in a cave and we don't know what's going on. You see? I mean, we know. We're just not, we don't see ourselves as part of it. I am not a part of the, of the political struggle that's going on in America right now. I'm not the part of the political struggle that's going on in India right now. I'm not a part of that. I live in America and I'm not a part of it. So I refuse to get swayed by those fools. Sometimes one is right, sometimes the other is right, and some, most of the time they're both wrong. You know, once in a while they're both right. But that's so, you can't listen to these fools. They're not, they don't know anything about spiritual life. You know, they don't. That's not the game that they're playing. That's not their responsibility to you. You see, that's, they don't, they, and they never made that promise. Listen to me and I'll take you to God. So, no. All right, you, you do your thing. So, and however it comes out, I'm going to do my thing. You see, I'm going to serve Guru and Krishna. And one of you's going to win, one of you's going to lose. One of you's going to cheer and one's going to whine. And I'm not interested. <laughs> it's, it's kind of boring, <laughs> really. Um, does that make any sense? Yeah. You know, we need to be transcendental to this. This minutia. All right, there was one verse here. Uh, that I want to cover before we go. Let me read this verse. One who understands, this is uh, verse 24. One who understands this philosophy concerning material nature, the living entity, and the interaction of the modes of nature is, uh, is sure to attain liberation. He will not take birth here again, regardless of his present condition. No matter how, that, therefore you can't say, oh, God consciousness isn't for me because I'm so fallen. No, no, that's malarkey. No, Krishna says, regardless of your present position, if you can understand this philosophy concerning material nature, the living entity, and the interaction of the modes of, uh, of nature, you're sure to attain liberation. Because you, 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 that means you can, you, you can uh, begin to dispel what is illusion and what is reality. Until we can get to where we can identify reality and also identify what is illusion, we're wandering around in the dark. We're being influenced by this and that. So we come out of that. You get out of it. You leave it regardless of your current uh, condition. 
Don't be concerned about that. Whatever you have done, you mentioned sins of previous lives or sins in early this lifetime. Where are they? They've been eaten by time. Time's devouring everything. They're gone. People that broke your heart, lied to you, and cheated, where is that? So gone. You see, you are here and you're moving forward. And even if you've got a tremendous amount of sins, when you, when you find a bona fide spiritual master and take initiation, bam, they're all gone. All of them. All the baggage. Empty. From this life, previous lives, it's gone. You see. You see. Swaha into the fire. Lord Vishnu is eating those sins as you throw them in. Between Lord Vishnu and the spiritual master, it's, the sins are dissipated. Bam. Gone. Bada bing. So, regardless of your current um, position. So, I mean, if that's not a, uh, a sign that there's hope for me and everyone, boy, I mean, Krishna, you see how kind and sweet Krishna is? He's so encouraging. You know, it doesn't say, you know, I think you've got a good chance and you've got a good chance, but you're going to have to try real hard, buddy. Krishna's not like that. No. Regardless. I mean, he's so uh, um, easy to work with. I don't care. Uh, Krishna, I did this and this and this. and Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all gone. What else you got? Well, I I'll probably continue to sin in the future. We'll work on that. I can work with you. Chattery Krishna, associate with my devotees. Take prasad. What else? It's like Krishna's the most inspirational, encouraging. Yeah. Like, progressive. If you just catch on to this mood of his, you know. Yeah, we've done some heinous things, but he's not pissed off. You know, he doesn't want to hit you with a thunderbolt. He's, he's like, like, yeah, he's like, piece of cake. You know. It's like this one, devo one devotee said to Prabhupada, Oh, Prabhupada, I'm the most fallen. And Prabhupada said, You're not the most anything. That's false ego. I'm the most fallen. It's like saying, I'm the most charming. I'm the most advanced. And I'm the most fallen. None of those can possibly be true. You're not. So, stop throwing up the uh, excuses. So hold your question and see if we have some time when I finish up. I want to, I want to get through this. Uh, ah, this, this is great. Some perceive the super soul within themselves through meditation, others through cultivation of knowledge, and still others through working without fruitive desires. You see, some through meditation. The difference is those who perceive the super soul within themselves through meditation have a tendency to be impersonal and atheistic. Because I think I'm looking for me. 
in here. I think that the inner light is coming from me. I'm the source of that light. I am God. And I can, or I can at least merge with God and become God. If I'm God, then there isn't any God. You see, that's the height of uh, atheism. In other words, if I can become God, I don't have to surrender to anybody. I don't have to serve anybody. You see? So those, if you can attain knowledge or find the super soul through meditation, chances are you're going to drop the ball and misuse what you found. You see? Through uh, knowledge, the jnani, the jnani yogis, they don't know what to do with the knowledge. Through loving devotional service, you already get Krishna. You see? And Krishna helps. Again, there are those who, although not conversant with uh, spiritual knowledge, begin to worship the Supreme Person upon hearing about him from others. Because of their tendency to hear from authorities, they also transcend the path of birth and death. I hear about God from those who have found him. You see? So Krishna says, because of their tendency to hear from authorities, not speculate, you will find, you'll find Krishna. You'll find him. You see, you'll be united. Okay. There was one that I did not want to... Oh, let me throw this one in. Uh, one who sees the super, uh, the super soul equally present everywhere in every living being does not degrade himself by his mind. Thus he approaches the transcendental destination. Therefore, how is it possible to hate anybody? If I see God present everywhere and in everyone as super soul, then I can't let my mind degrade me into... In other words, I fall into illusion. If I think you are your body, to that degree that I think you are your body, to that same degree, I'm believing that I am mine. How could I think that I'm not my body, but I think you are? Wait a minute. Slam on the brakes. That doesn't make any sense. If I'm not my body, if I'm this great person... If, this, if I'm this transcendental entity, well, then so are you. Who am I to say that you're not? Regardless of your current position. It says volumes on how we deal with our fellow living entities. You see? Now, therein is where your non-judgmental comes in. I'm not going to judge you because you go to the same church with me. Well, I will judge you as good, but you don't go to church here, so I don't, I'm judging you as not being as good, you see. Or you're a member of the party that I, so the uh, political party that I support, so I judge you as correct and a good person, but you're not a member of that party, so I think you're bad and dumb, maybe even evil. 
you know. I had to do with statistics recently where 60% of the other party believe, or I think it was 20% of the other party believes that the other party is evil. <laughs> and yeah. It, and then 60% yeah. of that party believes that the other party should, <laughs> should not even exist. Be oh, yeah. Yeah. No matter what the Constitution says. <laughs> no. You know, it's just like, yeah. Is it okay? To say a behavior is evil or bad? Part, but, yes. Okay. But the, the I disapprove of your behavior. Mm -hmm. I think you are misbehaving. When your mother says that to you, it doesn't mean she hates you. She's just thinking that you need you need spanking. You know, you need you need to come to a higher level in your consciousness, in your behavior. You see. And that doesn't mean that if I don't like your political party uh, or if you don't like the same music that I like or if I'm this and you're that, it doesn't mean that I want you to always come to my side. No, we're looking at the transcendental level. Transcendentally, you are pure and fully lovable. Now, how do I get you to behave in the way that you really are? I need you to find God. I can't do that? Well then, maybe I just need not to associate with you for now. You know, or at least on a favorable basis. Give him a book. Would you like to read a book? You say, yeah, i got a nice book for you. Give some encouragement. But yeah, behavior. Some, but, you know, everybody, most people, anyway, Practically everybody misbehaves. You know, those on the on the material consciousness—it's the nature of the living entity to misbehave when they're in material consciousness. Uh, oh, it was thirty-two, I think. Yeah, those. No, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, when a, when a sensible man ceases to see different identities due to different material bodies, and he sees how beings are, are expanded everywhere, he attends to, attains to the Brahman conception. I'm not my body, neither are you. We're not our bodies. Those with the vision of eternity can see that the imperishable soul is transcendental, eternal, and beyond the modes of nature. Despite contact with the material body, O Arjun, the soul neither does anything nor is uh, entangled. Wow. Powerful verse. Let me read it again. Krishna says, those with the vision of eternity can see that the imperishable soul is transcendental, eternal, and beyond the modes of nature. Despite contact with the material body, O Arjuna, the soul neither does anything nor is entangled. You're not entangled. What do you think you are? You can let it go anytime you want to. Let it go. Walk away. Let it put it down. Walk away. Step away from the Maya. <laughs> <laughs> Let it 
walk away. You can do it. All you have to do is want, and you and, and you'll want to when you have faith. But to get faith, you gotta have you have to work on because we're we have faith in Maya. You see what I mean? So I need to associate with people who have more faith than me, more more faith in Krishna, less faith in Maya. So then they'll pull me up a little bit, and as I'm going up, I'm gonna pull some people up behind me. You see, and then we're all heading towards. Uh, a pure consciousness because we're not entangled. Krishna says it. You're not entangled. Well, I'm so entangled in my own. No, you're not. Well, you, the jiva, no, you're not. Under your, under your current consciousness, yes. Because you want to be. You'll always get what you want. No matter what they, when they say, you can't always get what you want. Yes, you can. You may not get it right this minute, but you will get it. It might take next birth, but you will get it. You want freedom? You want a, uh, your consciousness back, spiritual consciousness? you got to want it. But <laughs> if you want to be God, you can't have that. You're something you can't have. You, that's just a misunderstanding, thinking that you can become God. But you can go to the Brahmjyoti, and you can go into the light. You, that is a bona fide liberation. Yeah, and that's what and that's what your perception of what God is. You're perceiving that God is that impersonal Brahman. You see what I mean? So you get what you want. Now, you're not thinking, I want to be Krishna, because you're thinking there is a Krishna. But there is the energy of the cosmos, or the universe. I want to be part of that universal potency. Well, you can do that. You can merge into, not fully merge, but you can go into the light. You can go into the Brahmajoti. Another thing you can't do is not die. So not wanting to die, you can't have that. Well, but if you if you're a realized soul, you realize that you can't die. The, I know. The soul but. is the soul is never extinct. <laughs> I know. But. Dying is not an escape. You know, if you die, it doesn't mean you're freed from everything. You just get another body. Here we go. Same difficulty. All over again. Let's see. So but you, if you say, I want to never die again, you can get that desire. I'll die one more time, then I won't die again. I'll have consciousness enough to, to not have to take another birth. Okay, time to wrap it up and roll up, roll up everything. Yeah, we're going hard enough. Harinam Eva Kale. Thank you, Guru Dave. Thank you. Thank you.